How many were here last week? And for those who aren't here, where'd y'all go? Okay, okay. Oh, it's the holiday week, I get it. Whatever, see you next time. You know it's gonna be good because God has blessed one seed with his own building. We're not borrowing it, we bought it. We wrecking the place. We're in there wrecking it so we can build it up to be what God called it to be. It's no longer for carpet, Vincent. It's a worship center. It's a Shiloh. So good. If anybody ever wants to go check it out, just say something and we'll go walk through it. But you're going to see, it's 1215 Tom Genever Avenue, O'Fallon, Missouri, across the street from Fort Zumwalt North High School. We got a stoplight. Do y'all know what it takes to get a stoplight anywhere? We got a stoplight. It's, it's the one seed light. Now, forget all those other businesses over there. I already told them. I said, we love you. Thank you. We're here to stay. And uh, who pays the water bill? We do. So uh, it's all good. Um, you're going to see some really cool updates from here to January. We're not going to leave you hanging. We got a lot of things in the works. We're going to have some really cool serve days at the building where we can, like, get our hands dirty. How many like to touch it, feel it, and be part of it? There's all kinds of stuff we can do, and it's fun. It's going to be fun. It's not going to be, like, uh, grueling. It's going to be rewarding, and there'll be donuts. So so how much better can it get? And there'll be, there'll be coffee. And so between now and January, we're seeing if we can get in there the first weekend of January, uh, minus the drywall dust. It's not the best breed. And um, we're going to keep you updated weekly with videos and emails and, and just let you know that we're, we're really doing this thing and we're doing it big. And it's going to blow your minds what God is going to do. It's going to look a lot different in a year. It's going to be so exciting. And before I leave this note, look around. Just look around real quick and see everybody you see in this room today. Anybody that comes in that place won't have the memories we do. They won't remember the journey like we do. And there's some at home that have been part of this journey and we're thankful for you. And, and I'm talking to you too. They won't remember the journey. It'll just be the beginning for them in the new place. And so cherish this because everything's for a season. Everything is for a season, such as life. And so we're grateful for the, se for the season we've been in but we get to remember those days soon. Pretty cool, huh? Last thing before I give you the passage and uh, just to, you know, get the dry bones awake and keep you standing for one more second here. December 3rd is the Christmas party. I know y'all got a lot going on because the holidays, but if you don't have an event December 3rd, come on to the One Seed Christmas party. It's fun. There's going to be good food. and Jen's putting it together, a lot of event uh, things we're going to do there, and, and it's going to be awesome. OneSeedChurch.org slash events. Do something on a Friday. Don't stay home again. Come, come experience fellowship, God's, God's uh, kingdom at the uh, Ode Lodge, though. It's going to be good. Uh, I want to give you this passage, and then we're going to see. We believe it's reverent to stand for God's word when we can because it's alive and well, and it got us here, and it's taken us there. John 
chapter 18, verses 15 through 18. If I look a little funny, I've only slept two hours last night. And it's not because I got issues, it's because I got babies and baby's sick. And I got a pregnant wife and she be pregnant. And I didn't know which one was going to come first last night. Sick kid won. Thank you, Progress West. I look forward to that bill. Anyway, I was jogging back there for my own self. My body was weaker, but my brain was kind of like sparking. John chapter 18, verse 25 through 27. Simon Peter, everybody say Peter, and another disciple were following Jesus because this disciple was known to the high priest. He went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. Let me keep in mind, this Jesus has just been captured. They are following Christ into captivity here. They're like peeping it out, ambush style. But Peter had yet to wait outside at the door. Excuse me, Peter had to wait outside at the door because he didn't know the high priest like the other disciple did. The other disciple who was known to the high priest came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there and brought Peter in. Hey, it's Peter, he's with me. Come on, it's cool. He's fine. He's one of us. Don't you like clicks? You got to be in to get in the, you know, tabernacle. You got to be in to get in the cool club at school. You got to be, you don't have to be in to get in God's house. You can be, you can be however you come and you're welcome and you're loved. I wasn't the coolest kid in school. I was, I was teased and everything. And so that's what I loved about uh, serving Christ is that, that he loves me anyway. And he loves you anyway. No matter how, how the world has treated you, God's got something good for you. He says in 17, you aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? Says the girl, she asked Peter. He replied, I'm not. It was cold and the servants and officials stood around the fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. I don't know if you catch, you catch this. He says to Peter, she says to Peter, you're not one of his, are you? He says, no, I'm not. Now earlier, Jesus had said, you will deny me three times, Peter. Peter was cocky, full of his self-knowledge of how spiritual he was. Jesus says, you don't know a thing yet. You're a baby on milk. You don't know what meat is yet, Peter, and you'll deny me three times. As you take your seat this morning, I want to give you my title, Trading Troubles. Y'all may be seated. Look to your neighbor and say, are you trading your troubles for more trouble? Are you trading your troubles for more trouble? Who likes rental cars on trips? I'll tell you some secrets y'all want to know. You don't, get the, you don't get the good one online. You wait till you get up to the window, and the brother says, hey, I'll give it to you half price. You want the Corvette or you want this or that? I'm not saying I would do it. I'm just saying he offered it. No, I'll take the Camry. They give you the deal at the counter because they're desperate to get the thing rented because now they need it on the spot. So if you ever want to get the nice one, do it at the counter. It's a better deal. So we get this Ford Explorer on our, actually our last trip to Charlotte. So cool. I, didn't, I had my shirt on this morning, Bishop Jakes. Actually, it was when he was announcing his book. We got invited to Charlotte to watch this thing. It was so cool. And we rented a car, and that's actually the week we had found out Michelle was pregnant. The same week. This was this past summer. And, and I get in this car. And I look in the mirror, and I thought I was going to throw up. I was getting dizzy. I'm like, what is wrong with that mirror? 
It's a camera. The rear view mirror actually was a camera. So what it was doing was it had a camera on the back of the car to simulate what a rear view mirror would do. But it was superimposed with a video camera. So, so it was close, but it's not the real thing. And anybody that knows technology, like, it's close, but it's not always perfect. And when you get into a digital recreation of something that was meant to be analog or real time, you, you get, like, a, a timings. It's, it messes with your senses. So when so I'm driving this thing, and, and it's like, it looks like, um, you know, Gran Turismo PlayStation game going on in the, the thing. It's fake looking. And I'm like, Michelle, this is making me sick. I can't drive like this because it was, I'm like, why can't they just give me the mirror? They were trying to, like, make it better, smarter. And, and it, like, it, like, would black itself out when it thought it should. I'm like, what if I don't think it should? That was kind of creepy. It was controlling, I'm not talking about, like, a backup camera. It was controlling the rearview mirror driving forward. And so, so I was telling Michelle, like, that's a really stupid invention. Like, what have we come to? Like, we need a computer to tell us how to use the mirror that our minds can do by just looking in it? What's next? We don't have to look forward either. So it was making me sick, and I think they had a button. They're always hidden on the smart cars. You got to find the button to turn off the smart features and make it just a car again so you could actually use your brain, you know? And so I think we found that. Otherwise, has anybody ever seen these mirrors besides me? One, Felix. Felix has rented the same Explorer. It was trippy. It was like the timing was not realistic. So then it was messing with your senses of intuitive flow, moving in a, a moving vehicle at 60 miles an hour, doing the speed limit, of course. I'm a Christian. None of us would speed on the freeway unless we're late. I was late. <laughs> So I tell you this because here we have a massive, um, I don't know, Vincent, I don't know if you, you worked on this car. Like, here we have a massive manufacturing decision to fix a problem. What did they do? They created a bigger problem by trying to fix the first problem. Do you know what Peter did? He tried to fix a problem and created a bigger problem with it. Has anybody else ever done this, or is it just me? Has anybody else ever tried to fix something, and they made it worse? <laughs> Everybody, except my kills. She's six. She's cute. She's perfect, except when she's the devil. We cast it out. She's been good, though, lately, because she's been a little under the weather. She's at home. That's why, you know, I'm a little tired today. Have you ever tried to fix a situation, though, and realized you actually made it worse? Maybe we remedied the source of the issue for a moment, but in return escalated a higher level of stress to come upon us, like shopping on Amazon doesn't fix your pain. just gives you more cardboard. <laughs> Does anybody else have a cardboard issue in the garage? Nobody. Come on, somebody's laughing at this real hard online because they get what I'm saying. You better be out there with your box cutter or you're going to have an overflow of cardboard. No, Lana, you've seen the house. She said it's like an inventory here. And she's not, so, 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 so like that 2 a.m. shopping on Amazon to fix the problem is just making it worse. You see what I'm saying? Or that mirror is just making it worse. Maybe we temporarily won the battle, but we started a war. 
spiritually with our life. Would Peter's situation have been different if he had not been dishonest at that moment? He lied. I mean, let's just tell it what it is. He lied. And Jesus said he would. Well, we don't like the L word in church because that assumes responsibility and accountability. Yeah, that's why we're here. Amen? Would it have been different if he had said, I'm with Jesus. I'll go to the cross with Jesus. Yet did he know he would go to the cross upside down, down the road for Jesus. Simon Peter gave a lot. But at that moment, he didn't, know, he didn't know yet. I can't say for sure, but we know that God uses our slip-ups as an opportunity to teach us something new. And maybe today we've witnessed in our own lives that we've been recycling troubles. Oh, this is good. Because we're always willing to exchange a temporal problem for a new one and not realize it. You can't fix the cut if it doesn't heal. You just keep recutting. You keep swapping the problem with a new one. You're trading your trouble for something else that's creating trouble. And so the problem never goes away. It feels like things are okay for a minute, but that's actually uh, dodging the issue. So what did he do? He dodged the issue by denying Christ. But it'll catch up with him because he remembers what Jesus said through this. And this is not the first time he's going to do it. What if God is showing us a new way through this process of troublemaking. And though he knows we will slip again, what if we could slip less and actually learn from the past mistakes by adopting an actual new approach to life, a new approach to that problem again? Are we trading our troubles for more trouble? I would say Peter was setting him up, himself up setting himself up for a bigger issue here, an issue with self. You know, he could, he, the, the, the Pharisees and the, and, the, and, the, and the soldiers couldn't do anything that his mind could do to him. Does that make sense? He's setting himself up for a problem with self because just like Judah, remember when Judah betrayed Christ and he knew he was going to do it, and then when he did, what did he do? He couldn't handle what he did to Christ in himself. So now Peter's doing the same thing. He's setting himself up for a battle within because he knew better, but he hotfixed the situation. Anybody know what a hotfix is in software? Anybody deal with IT? Let's go geek here. Don't, don't go to sleep on me. Just stick with me for one minute. Okay, Allison knows what a hotfix is. When your software at work breaks, and they call IT to fix it, and it's urgent, they put out what's called a hot fix. It's like, let's just get it fixed as soon as we can. You know, it's not always a long-term solution. It's the Band-Aid. Now, ideally, it could be better than a Band-Aid, but usually it's a hot fix. It's quick. It's a fix. It's not a solution. There's a difference between a fix and a solution. Does that make sense? You can fix a lot of things temporarily, but a solution is a permanent cure. The solution makes it uh, go away to where now you, you deal with it differently versus just pacifying the problem long enough that you can stay sane. And so in software, they, they roll out a hot fix, and then eventually they put it back to the developers to really go fix it when there's time. 
And that's kind of what, what we do. We hot fix in the moment because it's an instinctual reaction when we face any kind of pressure. My man, love you, buddy. What's up, Jim? Um, I just had to shout him out. He's, he's, my, he's my, my man. When we are reactive in the moment, we react with a hot fix. Jim knows what a hot fix is. He's in IT. It's got to be right now. It's not necessarily good for us, but it'll get us by through the weekend so we don't have to answer the calls. It'll get the users by. And so, so what Peter did is he tried to hot fix the solution by lying right to the girl's face and denying Christ. Little did he know he was setting Christ up to do a mighty work in his life because Christ knew he was going to do a denial three times in this situation. Break, fix. See, it doesn't really fix. It's a break, fix. It's still broke. We try to smooth over the situation by hiding it, avoiding it. But the problem stays. It stays. So are we trading our troubles for more trouble? We think we're progressing, but we're staying in that place because of hot fix. How did Peter do this? This is so good. We were just talking about Genesis this morning. Mike was preaching about Genesis, and he's really good. <laughs> this morning, Mike was talking about creation, and he was on fire at 7 this morning. Am I wrong, Mike? You were, you were going after it. We were moving the cart, and we were talking about creation. And we said, what is the first thing God did? He spoke the mouth. Let there be light. And it was good. We also talked on it last week. And, um, and Mike, I share this because it's awesome. I, I love your, your fervor. And that's what we all need to do is be excited for Jesus and share it with the world. That'll light a place up. Y'all do that, you'll see this place multiply. Because people want to know, why do they love Jesus that much? We've got to show it, church. So he used his mouth. What did Peter do right here to completely break covenant with Christ in that moment? His mouth. It just took one word of denial. See, the mouth is so powerful in confession, in acceptance, in rejection. Words start wars. It's all about the mouth. God uses the mouth as a center point to your life for a reason. The Tower of Babel, the day of Pentecost, the mouth. He spoke the world into existence. The, you know, on and on, the mouth is a focal point to how God works in our life. So just as much as God can bring blessing in our life because of our confession, our heart comes out of what we speak, out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks, we can also deny Christ and put ourselves in this break-fix situation. So what did he do when that doesn't work? What did he do? What do we do? We do it again. We do it. Do it again. Now we sang the, uh, come Holy Spirit, dry bones away. The Lord is in this place. That's a different elevation song, but the one I was thinking right there is, do it again, do it again. Both great. What do we do when it doesn't work? We do it again. Hello. It didn't work. What do we do? Let's lie again. What, what, is, what does it say in John chapter 18 now? Verse 25 through 27. It says, finding it, finding it, finding it. Peter's second and third that's what Jesus said. Denial. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still 
standing there warming himself. He was like cooking a marshmallow on the fire. I don't know what he was doing, making a s'more. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? See, they're starting to like sense that he couldn't hide what was in his heart because even though his mouth tried to deny it, the, 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 the truth was so strong in him, it was still coming out to be questionable because he didn't look or act like them. You with me? So, what, so she questioned him again. He says, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man, whose ear Peter actually cut off in the garden, challenged him. He said, didn't I see you in the garden? You hit me with that sword. You did that. No, I didn't, I didn't do it. I was at home playing Uno with my kids. I was at the ER playing Uno with my kid who's passing out. I was not in the garden cutting your ear off, sir. Not me. Three times. What did he do when it didn't work? He did it again. He did it again. He lied again. Like how many times we got to lie, you know? Like before we realize that's not working. It's not working. Right then, it says, verse 27, and again Peter denied it. And at that moment, everybody say that moment. That's the moment. The rooster began to crow. The scripture says that Jesus, when he professed that Peter would deny him three times, that he will hear the cock crow. That's a rooster. Woohoo! Guess what crew? The rooster. Another, another uh, uh, gospel says he went outside and wept bitterly. You know why? Because right then, God did something to him. Not the first time, not the second time, not the third time. Sometimes it takes a while, okay, people? But eventually... God will get your attention, and that's when he pierces your heart. He went out, and he wept bitterly. You see, now the conclusion of the decision was weighing on him because he knew Christ already knew it before him. That's a pretty big deal because it's kind of like God's love for us. Like when we recognize what unconditional love is, it's so much bigger that he even knows how we're going to step and how we're going to slip, and he still is willing to love us again and again and again. Now, he doesn't want us to keep break fix, hot fixing this spiritual software. He wants us to find a solution, and sometimes it takes three times for God to wake you up and to get in your heart and go, this is not working. It's not working. He was trying to climb out by going deeper in the hole. How many have teenagers? I don't, but I've seen some, and I was one. I'm only two years away. Dear Lord, help me. Mine's 11. She acts like she's 20. Sometimes I forget she's 11. What do they do? You catch them in something, they just kind of go deeper, don't they, sometimes? Maybe not nobody's kids here. They're perfect angels. But I'm saying like kids of the world, you know, like they go deeper. They talk themselves out. They just keep going deeper. And, 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 and the parent knows like, hello, I can see right through that. I remember back in the day when I was a little boy. Seeing some stuff with my siblings and my mom would always know when they were full of baloney, we would say. We're Christians. We would say, you're full of baloney in my house. <laughs> and uh, that's a joke. We'd say other things too. I can't talk about it. <laughs> but the parent can see right through the child. Not only can they see when they've slipped, but they know when they're going to slip before the kid even does. That's good. Because that's what God did. 
God knew Peter was going to slip before he even knew himself. Peter was so self-righteous, just, just days before, just saying, you're not going to go to the cross, God. You're too good for that, and we're going to protect you. And he had to rebuke the devil out of him. That's how wrong Peter's theology was because he didn't understand the mission. You can have the heart but be missing the mission. And so God's got to get you to a place that corrects you to a place that you have a revelation because that's how God speaks is through revelation. That's when you're going to understand the mission differently. That's when church is going to be different to you. Y'all, y'all getting this? He had to get to that point with Peter. Peter was a little stubborn. I mean, he questioned God on the water. He doubted him in the, you know, he doubted him when, when he was chasing him into the courtyard there. He went after the, the soldier's ear. Didn't know that thou shalt not sword an ear, scripture. Thou shalt not kill. He was wild, a wild man for God. But he needed wrangling and teaching. He needed revelation. And so sometimes, I don't know about you, but I, I only get here by God really putting me in the corner to where I don't have an option except to really listen. Has anybody been there? That's a good thing. The Bible says if you endure chastening, what son does the father, son or daughter does the father not chasten? That's reprimand, uh, scold, love out of, you know, uh, parenting. It's like, that's a good thing. So when you get to that place with God, yeah, does it hurt for a minute? Because you know, you know you messed up. It does hurt, but you can rejoice bigger because God loved you bigger enough to take you to that place and allow you to hit that bottom place so you could finally get out of that hole. That's good. Come on, somebody. Am I preaching to myself here? Is this a gym or is this a church? Where's the basketball? There's the scoreboard. Jesus three, devil zero. <laughs> we had that on a couple weeks ago, but we couldn't figure out how to actually make it change points. We were going to say, like, every time the preacher said something good, go give me a point. And every time it was something bad, go give the other side a point. And um, we were going to, I wanted to break the one side, though, so it actually wouldn't work. It only be good. <laughs> I was going to say that God wouldn't let, would let it be bad, you know. It didn't work out. Anyway, three times. He traded his troubles for more trouble and more trouble and more trouble. And sometimes you just got to say, this is not the way it should go. We've been talking a lot about technology today because, you know, it's really like Peter was probably on a Mac book. And does anybody know, like, has anybody ever changed a battery in a MacBook? Anybody. Now, come on, somebody. It's called wisdom if you haven't. That's good. See, I didn't have that wisdom. I thought I could change it like a PC. We had this battery problem with our worship laptop. Well, they so strategically set this up that if you touch that thing, it combusts in my kitchen. So here's PJ running out of his house with a laptop on fire, throwing it. Over, I'm sorry, people, it was already, it was done, it was a done deal. It didn't hurt when it landed, it was done before it got to the ground. It, I had to chuck that thing over the deck because it was on fire in my hand. That's why we stick with Android and PC. But what I'm trying to tell you is all the Google results said, don't do this. Don't try this. Get special consulting from the app store before you touch one of these things. Who needs it? It's just a battery. Bleep. See, I created a bigger scenario. I ended up roasting the thing into a marshmallow instead of just, you know, having a battery issue. 
I'm like, I'm never giving to this church again. <laughs> no, we just, we just, the devil doesn't like Mac. Is what it is. I mean, the devil likes Mac, so we got to get it out. That's all. He's getting it out of the house because I'm a Microsoft guy. <laughs> that's a nerd joke. All your nerds will appreciate that someday. Thank you. But yeah, we can't hide the pain with more pain. We can't hide the problem with a new problem, and that is our instinct to do that. We try climbing out by digging deeper. And the devil wants you to think that climb, you're climbing out, but you're digging deeper when this is your breakfast approach to your relationships, to your financial situation. I know because it's red in the bank account. I should go round up some more debt on the credit card. No, that's not the answer. I know it's a nice iPhone, but maybe you don't need it right now. I'm preaching to myself, but it's not an iPhone. It's an Android. See, we just keep, like culture hands it to us. What, Sam's Club, we talk about it. They got, they got the best cookies, the muffins. Like the, everything's at our fingertips to hide the problems. And that's good. It's nice to have some comfort once in a while. But the bigger question is, what are we temporarily stalling to fix with our life? That's what Peter was doing, and he didn't even know it. He was just denying Christ over and over until God got his attention. It's God's reminder system. This is how God does it. The hardest parts in life, I wish didn't exist, you know. Like nobody looks forward to the pain. Nobody looks forward to the process to get through the pain. Nobody looks forward to the process to get to the glory. You've asked God to deliver, and he does, and you didn't know how much work was in that. And nobody looks forward to the process to get through the finish line because of what the, what the process looks like. But that's God's reminder system. That's how he does it. You can't get to it if you don't go through it. If you all can stand with me this morning, come on, we got to wake it up in here. I'm feeling lonely. God has to put you in a place to get your attention. And if he can't put you in that place to get your attention, he can't break through the ground, the soil. He can't break through it to change the garden. And so unfortunately for Peter, Jesus loved him so much, he let him slip enough to get there three times before Peter finally had a change of heart. And we know Peter became one of the greatest apostles of the New Testament. He was the one who preached at Cornelius' house when the baptism flowed out of those people. He was the one who preached at, on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost fell for the first time. He was the one that God promoted the most, who he struggled with the most. You see all the potential that God didn't throw out because Peter was rough around the edges. He didn't quit and say, stay out of the courtyard. He said, you're coming into my house you got to have the revelation so you can come in the courtyard. What did Peter do? He ran out. What do we do? We run out and say we're, we're not, we just can't do it for God because of this or that. We slip three times. But Jesus said, I already knew you were going to slip, and it's so big what I have for you. You've got to hit the bottom to get to the finish line. And so that's what happened to Peter. He became so great. Him and Paul, so great. The New Testament did so many things. And if these moments were not part of Peter's journey to get there, I don't think Peter would have done what he did later. 
So it's no different for you and your situation and whatever it is in your journey. It's not just you. It's all of us fighting that battle. That's the world we live in. And if God can, can have a reminder put in us that, that we, are, we are joyfully made, we are, we, are, we are created from heaven first. We were made in his image so that everything that came after his thought to create us doesn't matter because we came from a clean slate of God's purest. And that's where he's going to take us back to, and that's what he wants to do with every one of your lives. And together, what could we do as the body of Christ if we all recognize that purpose and get to it and go after it and watch God do something that is unexplainable? Amen? He can do it. We all here last week, he can do it. You just don't, you can't get numb to this. You got to stay conscious to this, that he can do the unthinkable, and it's just starting. He's doing it. What do the people do? They forget. When it gets, they get numb again. The Israelites, they just keep circling around the mountain, and God says, wake up. God, I am, he says, I am doing it in your life if you let me drive. So good. God's reminder system. It's, it's, a, it's a technique that gets left out. God gives us the tools, but we, we don't apply the technique like the fruits of the Spirit. God says, take my Spirit and use the power within you to reach lives. And we try to, we try to rely on the tool, but we don't apply the technique. But he works through the men, of the men and women of the church. That's the technique he uses. You with me? You are the technique God chose to touch lives. It's good. I can quit rushing God again into the same problem that I can't get rid of. I need a reminder, God, that this is not about my situation. This is about your glory and how this situation can magnify your name. And if you can use my baggage to magnify your name, then so be it. If you can build me up so big to show my problem to the world that you change my life, so be it. Come on, somebody. Come on. Let's get the worship going. Come on. Let's wake it up in here. God will use your problem to touch lives. God will use your problems to change lives. That's your testimony. If you were perfect, how could you reach someone who doesn't understand? Because you're perfect and they're not. Bring your baggage to the table and say, God, use this. They understand because I understand, says the witness. The witness can go now talk to the lost who doesn't understand about alcoholism. It doesn't understand about adultery. It doesn't understand about being, being cut off from the family. It doesn't understand about going bankrupt. It doesn't understand. So God says that's your mission to go touch them so you can help them avoid it and find a real solution that is witnessing we are the body we take it to the world and help them as God works through us it's so good God's reminder system reminder system you know back on that mirror thing I'll tell you what my dad always taught me at 16 years old or whatever look in those mirrors it's really cool. And some of you walked in late. We were talking about the smart mirrors at the beginning of the service on the cars that actually are, are superimposing a video reinterpretation with a camera of what's behind you while you're driving and how that is a little bit hard to follow. And so, and so my dad, when I was about 15, I don't know if you remember this, Dad, we were driving down Highcroft, whatever Highcroft Road, 
in Chesterfield, and he, I never forget it. He says, always watch your mirrors. That one, that one, never stop navigating the mirrors. And I never forgot that. And he said, also do one of these. Don't trust the mirrors completely. Use the mirrors. Look over your shoulder because you've got the technique in you to do something bigger. You don't need something else to tell you how to do your life. You've got a life that God put in you, and he put gifts in you to navigate that thing. So get back to the navigation part of the driving process in your mirrors is what I'm trying to say. It's good. Don't throw away the technique because the tool has an upgrade. Amen? God, we thank you now that we have a chance to give thanks this week. We give a joyful thanks, a shout of praise today for thanksgiving, for grace, for mercy, for your never-ending love. We're, we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving this week, and, and we love the pilgrims and all the stuff, but we're going to give a bigger thanks at this table and shout out to Jesus. You're changing lives through 1C Church. You're changing lives in this church, and that is the church, and we're going to take that out. We're thankful for that. We got through the gutter, and we're going into 22 to reach the world, and we're thankful this holiday season for that. We're thankful for that. We're going to use our story to touch lives. Each one of us has a perfect plan that's part of our story to touch a life. I'm going to see who can I touch with my story into the coming months. I'm going to see what has God put in me that maybe I thought was worthless, but God says that's gold, and you need to give that to somebody. I want to share that with somebody in the 2022. It's going to be good, God, and we're thankful for that because we're recognizing the power in the mission through your name. Let us all go this week and have a safe Thanksgiving. And if the house of God can say, in Jesus' name, everybody say together, amen.